SuperSource is the answer to your dish machine and chemical needs in your restaurant. They've got zero minimums and zero contracts, so they have to earn your business every single week. Zero minimums. Zero. They're not going to make you sign a five-year contract, even if you lease the dish machine from them. It's amazing. Jason Ellis is a hard-working man, and he is here to help save you money, increase the cleanliness of your dishes, and provide the best service in Nashville. So check them out. Go to our website at NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the Sponsors tab. Find the link for SuperSource, and if you sign up there, you will get three free months of dish machine rentals right now. You can also check them out at SuperSource.com, or you can call Jason Ellis directly at 770-337-1143. When talking about what chefs want, really the question is, how do they do it? No fees, no fuel charges, no surcharges, never. This allows you to order as much or as little as you need as often as you need. Seven-day delivery, access products every day, trimming your waste, increasing your valuable shelf life, and allowing you fresher product. 24-7 customer support. Call, text, chat, email, anytime from anywhere. Uh, they take a team approach to serving you at 800 600 8510 or whatchefswant.com. They have a very they have very diverse product lines. So their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh products daily. This type of flexibility helps chefs with the ability to offer and test new menu items with ease. They have hundreds of trucks on the road every day to reach their vast market. Their focus is tight urban areas where groups of restaurants and chefs are located. Additionally, they have trucks from coast to coast bringing products to farms and artisans across the globe. You can order through your phone app or online. They truly are what chefs want. Check them out at whatchefswant.com. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. I am joined today with Jen Ichikawa. Hi, Jen. Hi. So this is the first time we are here live in a studio. Yeah, you can't hear any kids in the background. <laughs> Everything is so crystal clear. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it's very weird to hear myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. So we are going to be, we have an advantageous next couple of weeks. I think we have nine interviews in the next 10 days. I think 10, because we realized we'd forgotten one on the count. <laughs> 10 interviews in the next 10 days. So we're going to start loading up uh, this podcast. It's going to be great. Lots of really cool stuff we're going to bring you. Lots of interesting stuff. Today should be no different. Today we are going to be speaking with Katie Wainick. And Katie is somebody that I've kind of been following ever since the beginning. She started following us on Instagram, and then I, I followed her back, and I've just been watching this woman go from chef job to chef job, but not like leaving one to do another one. Like she's doing, like she's constantly upgrading. And I think that, I think there's an interesting story here. So one of the things I want to do to start this show off is I want to talk about expectations. So we have not done this interview yet. It is right. upcoming. Yes. 
What are your expectations? Well, um, I, you know, am transitioning in my career right now. Yeah. And I like that she's moved around a little bit and she's a mother of two because one of the things I've struggled with in this transition is finding a place that makes me feel like I get to be with my kids enough. Sure. And good enough as a mother because best is, I think, not an option realistically for anyone. So I'm excited to talk to her about that and how she places the value on her time and where she spends it. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I'm going. I want to do the same thing, mm-hmm. but more of a where does it come from? Because mm-hmm. she is a to my, my whole perception of her is she's just a badass. She's a hustler, right. and she loves her kids. Like everything online is about her. Her yeah, sweet children. Everything. <laughs> she and has hashtags for both of them. Yeah, she has hashtags for yeah. her kids, but she's like working a massive schedule mm-hmm. and raising two kids. Not just like raising kids, but like involved like she's a, a super involved, involved yeah. mom and it is she's she's uh she's an inspiration to me i love hearing about her so i'm excited just to hear that story like what's yeah. the thing that drives her what is she wakes up like what sucks her out of the sheets right what's the thing that says i gotta go today and it's probably her kids i imagine it's her kids yeah but that's also got to come from somewhere yeah you know so that's what i'm curious to find out i really want to dig into that more yeah definitely and i'm excited to talk to somebody like in, in the studio, yeah. <laughs> like look at them while I'm interviewing them. That's not on a screen. I'm trying to think of the last time we did in person. Like you and I have done it to, in the same room before, but only twice, three times? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I've done probably half dozen interviews live. And then Delia and I, when we did the roundup, we did mm-hmm. a live show from Autos. Right. But the quality was so bad. Like our yeah. live shows are so bad. I could probably do a much better version of that now. We could just take this equipment and go. But um, no, this is going to be cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And then hang out after the episode. Because mm-hmm. after the episode, we're going to get back together. <laughs> and I'm going to find out what our expectations, if they were met. Like what did you think? Picture beforehand? she's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about my kids at all. And we'll be like, okay. <laughs> oh, shit, there we go. Let's do something different. <laughs> So yeah, so we, uh, after the show, hang out because we're going to jump back in and talk about it. We're going to do kind of a recap, mm-hmm. uh, a, a roundup of the actual interview. Yeah. So that'd be awesome. So uh, let's jump in. Yeah. Katie Wainick. Yeah, I made it. I was like, I'm professional. Okay, I'm a high school graduate. Sure, <laughs> you know. Sure, uh, and now I'm like, I don't know why. And I went through a, a very brief Jenny phase, and now, but with an IE, and I was like very adamant that you spell it with an IE because it had to be different. But now, if anyone calls me Jenny, I'm like, you're infantilizing me, and I don't like it. So we're officially live on the show right now, welcoming in Katie Wainick. Wainick, is that how you say Wainick? Uh-huh. Did I do it right? Yeah. Okay, well, we're just, excellent. We're just talking, getting to <laughs> know each other. Form. If you'll come a little closer to the microphone. <laughs> yes, you. You can <laughs> do that. I will. It sounds much better. There you go. Is there, that better? See? Yes. All right. It sounds like you're in the room, <laughs> which is good. As we continue to break in this brand new studio, Katie Winnick is our first guest live in studio. We're looking at you live. Look at this. <laughs> Most people we look at on a screen while we're talking to them, and then we, you know. I was surprised. I thought that this was going to be over the phone. I thought this was going to be a, a cool Zoom meeting. Mm. 
No, no, yeah. I'm so fucking over. I had my, <laughs> I had my, my PJs ready. You could have still worn <laughs> those. Know? There's definitely no dress code. I'm wearing. I told him today I'm dressed like a teenager. There's no dress code. Well, I asked him. I, I needed a, a little heads up. I was like, Do I need sure. to wear my chef jacket or should I bring my knives? I what did type one, of situation is this? <laughs> I did one of those things last night where she, uh, I fell asleep early because oh, yeah. I'm a tired person, mm-hmm. and it was like 9:30. She texted me and said, Should I? wear like my chef coat or should I wear and I never responded to her and then I woke up at like six and I was like ooh, I'll respond to her you like woke up at six, six that's late for you oh well I get up six is about the time he's like yeah I feel like he's always awake so I'm surprised <laughs> like just always like I'll text him randomly at like eleven thirty for something and he responds instantly and I'm like do you sleep though because then yes. he'll call me at 6 30 in the morning when yeah I'm up but like why are you up my kids are 12 months like they're always up yeah that's i mean it's the same for me mm-hmm. it's i i was talking about a menu at 11 o'clock last night and i i just i ended up in that position where i was like i don't really know what i'm gonna respond with i'm gonna go with k but i don't want it to seem rude so k-a-y there you that's go. less rude it softens the blow oh hey we have a long-running debate that i think i'm winning but if you did respond with k-a-y or just k if you put a period after it do you think that person would have thought you were upset? I think if you say that's K. deep, that's deep early in this this <laughs> this conversation. I don't like K at all. No, I would, I, th- I agree. I with don't you. even like okay. I will spell okay a y to show that like okay. Then, but, but if you I'm put a fine. period at the end of that, if you right. put a period, do you look at that and go like, oh, they're angry? Like okay, it says or I'm, I'm okay. trying to say I'm angry. Oh, probably only if I was going to go as far as to just write K. Okay. If I was going to just write K, I'd probably, honestly, punctuality via text, it is what it is. I do, <laughs> I'm old, right? So yeah. I'm not like, I'm not a millennial <laughs> right. and I'm, I'm on the cusp. I have, I certainly have millennial tendencies, I'm sure. When were you born? Mm, 1979. Okay. March 8th, 1979. So I was born in 88, but I feel like I've got. But like, I put periods after. I like finished sentences. Put, like I, all of his like sentences. I still have original grammar. Yeah, like my grammar is like I write a sentence and there's a period at the yeah, end of it. Comma, or there's but. An exclamation. Yeah, comma, yeah. but. I, I do I the comma. I have no, comma, I'm not mad however. at commas. I'm not mad at a period to end the sentence. I'm mad at a period to end the text message. If if the whole, if like there's multiple sentences. space. I disagree. Thank you. No. Thank, thank you. I'm 1990. <laughs> that like, was the cutoff right there. It was the 90 babies. 90s are rude. If you They're grew rude. up they in don't the 90s, sentences. no, my point you is you're rude. <laughs> that's, that's my point. Okay, so Katie, you are a chef. So I'm not really sure uh, if I it's if fine. I need you to were put like, a period there or not. But <laughs> he's putting a period on the conversation. I'm going to say a period for him. No, no period for you. Well, we've we've come to the understanding that when I text, I use proper grammar, and yeah. I'm not mad at her. And I can okay. tell when he's intentionally not using a period because he thinks I was mad at him for something, and then he just doesn't use it at all. <laughs> you just got to learn the other person. Yeah, and that's what it it's is. It's taken about a them. year, and I think we've gotten but it. But she's helped me because on when I text people that I don't know, I've stopped using periods because I recognize that it's that might be something that people are like, "Dude, what the fuck, man?" Well, what? it's like if you just say like, "Hey, we need to talk." And that's the whole email or that's the whole text message. And then someone's spiraling and you just meant about bread or something. Yeah, no. You know, so <laughs> so that is one thing uh, that, that one of my chefs has learned, I think. If he hasn't, he's going to learn it now. It's like, you cannot tell me we're going to talk later. Yeah. No, I spiral. No, we're going to talk now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not driving. I'm going to pull over in a parking spot. We're going to talk mm-hmm. now. Like, <laughs> I am not going to think 
of all the millions of different directions this can go, good, bad, whatever. Yeah. Like, like no. Is that not the worst? When you're just like, what did they mean? Like, ah, oh, I, I want to have that conversation. That's why I'm, I'll pick up the phone and I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? What is it? What's going yeah. on? Let's just, let's have it. <laughs> I, I like conflict to a degree. Like, I, I let's have it. I don't want to yeah. anticipate conflict. Yeah. Let's just have it. Did you see Kanye West? Listen, there's a lot going on with Kanye West in the news right now. And yay. I'm not like, I'm not like <laughs> a big yay fan, but I do think it's really funny. He like came out because, you know, he's holding up a picture or something. He's all mad about Pete Davidson or whatever. Anyway, he wrote a new caption, deleted everything, posted one picture, wrote a caption that said, I've now realized that all caps makes people think I'm mad at them. <laughs> you just now realized that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a boomer thing. Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> anyway, um, but I think it's so funny that that took him that long to realize. And I'm like, please help your elders and your peers, Kanye, and let them know that like all caps do mean you're mad. That's, yeah, I mean, Yeah. All caps. I don't. I don't know what to yeah. say about him. He's a mess. Oh yeah. He's I mean, I feel bad because it's like clearly he's having a mental health crisis. So like, I feel bad like implementing any kind of like Judgment. you're wilding out a little bit. Yeah. But <laughs> you're also, like, uh, I'm kind of messed up. So yeah. Like, I don't know if I can tell Kanye I can't he's tell messed anybody. up. <laughs> I've been messy. No question. You're like, but. I don't. I don't know if I'm in a position to be like, yeah. oh, look at him. He's a mess. What is it like the sawdust <laughs> in my eye and the plank in yours? I'm not trying to Kanye that, but like generally yeah he's a little messy right now <laughs> i was listening to howard stern yesterday and he broke down the whole he's like do you guys know about kanye west and uh, pete davidson mm-hmm. and he broke his for all of you out there who don't know what this is this is what's going on otherwise i would have no clue about it oh you could have asked i can't stop watching <laughs> I, can't I, stop. I, was, I found myself fascinated i was like oh bless his heart mm-hmm. i'm like the poor guy is like screenshotting text messages and putting them out there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they just, just I mean, wrote a like, song. I, I'm, I'm not a therapist. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the answers. Part of me, and some therapists may say, no, that's not how this works. Sure. But part of me thinks that it depends on like the level you can hide it and like maintain, you know, like. Cause everybody's a little fucked if, up. Yeah. I think everybody's got their, their stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely like the higher level, but it's like, if Kanye was a lot quieter, yeah. You know, we wouldn't know like how messed up, you know, right. there could be a lot of Kanye's out there walking around and, and that stinks. But like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think it's the level of like, how, how can you like maintain? I've had, I've had plenty of times where I'm like, you're not maintaining, <laughs> you're not hiding it from anybody. Well, yeah. let's get into your inner Kanye then. I think this is a great segue. <laughs> oh, no, your inner Kanye. <laughs> I'm going to need some music. <laughs> the interview today is about you. Mm-hmm. And it is about, um, I learned about you because I, you were following Nashville restaurant radio, whatever. And I, I re-followed yeah. you, but I watched you on social media and you've got these two amazing children. Right. Right. Uh, sweet Ella Jane is a, is Ella Jean, Jean, yep. is, is, yep. is a hashtag and raising <laughs> cane, right? Those <laughs> yeah. are your two children. Yeah. yeah. And I think you were working as a chef at third and home. Is that what it's called? That yes, that was probably when I did start following you guys. Yeah, so it was, it was probably th- when I was at third. Yeah, home. you were at third and home, but you kept putting up all these plates, and it was great. And you were all this kitchen tracks, and you you seemed like you were really into the culture, and you got it. And then you kept working. You found another place you were working. I was like, is she working at four different places right now? Like, what is she doing? And then <laughs> I, I reached out to you. And I was like, hey, what's your story? And I was pretty fascinated from just the level at which you were executing life. During a pandemic. 
we went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been my 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 good moment there. No, uh, uh, I lost my kitchen. You lost your kitchen? Yeah, they shipped me out to uh, to First Bank Amphitheater, and I didn't have a kitchen for that season. So oh, it was a lot right. harder to take pictures and like you know promote like look at this. Yeah, I didn't. We had a mobile kitchen out there. We had a, a oh, I saw pictures in the storm, and I'm like, how the how is she doing this? Yeah, and that was. You know, I I belly ached a lot, but like I missed quite a bit of that. When the season ended, the first support trip that I went on um, was to Baltimore Convention Center, and I got there and I was in four walls again. Yeah, and I was like, "There's rules here, <laughs> <laughs> like like we're no longer feral, we're no longer living <laughs> out in the woods." <laughs> like I was like, "You need to, you need to uh, uh, remember where you are again. <laughs> this is not yours." So that was that was a weird thing to be like people I don't I don't think everybody like a thousand percent thinks to themselves like hey I got a roof over my head mm-hmm. you know and especially not at work You don't know what um, you got till it's gone Yeah and it was we had amazing weather sometimes <laughs> we had a lot of rain it had to been a record year it just felt like i was waterlogged and cold all the time Yeah We had Tom Morales on the show and he owns Tomcat's catering and he does, he goes to movie sets and just sets up kitchens. And he started opening restaurants when he came back because he needed a place to train people for the real deal. He's like, what I do is the NFL. What I do when I go out to a movie set, I'm in a desert and I got to feed 2000 people. and I don't have running water. He goes, that's where you have to test your chops. That's where he goes, I have people that train in restaurants and I take the best of the best to go out here. They're the pros. And what I saw you doing was very similar to that. Like you're out there with tents, just just figuring shit out. I had I had three cooks, chefs that came out to uh, to the site, which it's First Bank Amphitheater. It's at uh, Greystone Quarry. It's all it's all chiseled out of rock. It's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's incredible. This is not like third world country level. We had <laughs> a mobile kitchen. It was a trailer. It was a shell, and it was over top of the equipment itself. Everything else was a tent. And yeah, we had leaks and waterfalls and, you know, interesting things, but this was not, this was not abusive. And I had three cooks slash chefs that had come out and they, they didn't even walk inside and they said, well, this is not what I signed up for. I wanted, I thought this was a building. I thought this was something more. And I thought, well, you know, the, the atmosphere and the, the spirit we're trying to maintain here is that we're going to feed 8,000 people out of this tent because we already have, and we're going to continue to do that. And, you know, I just had a group of just resilient cooks. Did I they had hang in there with you? The whole season. That's I kept great. the same five. And honestly, in every restaurant I've ever been in, I haven't stayed with, with any company um, for a duration of probably more than eight months to a year. This mm-hmm. being with... Um, being with Centerplate, which is now merging into Sodexo Live, being with them is the longest duration that I've stayed with a company. Now, I had my reasons for that and uh, and what pushed me to do that, but I think the turnover rate and the culture is fairly toxic still in every restaurant or every kitchen you go in. There's your outliers. They're not like that, but there's a lot that still are. Um, and so to me taking all monetary success and and all other things aside to me the success was that i managed to keep these five individuals with me this entire season um so i was really really proud of them and really happy for this i don't know how many times i told them i'm sorry 
you didn't sign up for this, right? You know, and I learned life skills. I learned generators and diesel and plumbing <laughs> and propane, electricity, and we're we're tripping breakers. Well, what? I call, I called call my dad. I called my dad. I put him on Facetime. I said, "What the fuck is an amp? How many of them are there? Like, what does this even? What does this look like? What am I supposed to do?" And it took like three hours for me to move furniture in our in our main concession stand and. Uh, my district manager, he's, he's just like, why did it take that long? I said, well, because I'm not a fucking electrician. Like, <laughs> I'm pushing furniture around, and I don't know really what I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was it was crazy, and there's so many things I miss so much. I miss it now, and I know the season is coming so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I there was a lot that I, I did love about it. Even at the time, I was, you know, fussing about it and stuff. <laughs> Let's go back. Are you, did you go to, when did you start working in restaurants? And there's a million follow-up questions from what you just now said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I, that's my least favorite question. I don't even know if I really want to answer it. I think it's the best, I think it's the best it's, answer ever though. Cause I think I've already asked you this question. <laughs> uh, it's not long. It's not as long as your, your average, um, person in my position, uh, but I've worked so so hard to earn it. That's what, um, I'm, what I'm getting at. So and I have worked, and I have worked three kitchens at one time, um, multiple times, in order to uh, learn, experience, and provide for my two kids. So I don't know if I necessarily made up for lost time, but you know, I try not to get comfortable. You get comfortable, and someone says, you know, let's sit down and have a chat about what you could be doing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have that chat. You know, they, yeah, oh, yeah. they gave me a jacket, they can take it away. So, you know, sometimes uh, I've had people, especially lately, are really pushing saying, you know, you, you need to be confident in, in what you've done and where you are. And, and the reason you're there isn't by accident. It's because you, you earned it and you're supposed to be there. But I do want to be humble. I don't, we have a lot of assholes <laughs> in this world. I don't need to be another dick that walks up and is like, you know, what's up? Like, yeah. I've got the title. Move that box for me. Oh, like, yeah. I don't need that. You know, right. we don't need that. I struggle with that too. The balance of, and we've talked about it a lot of like, I have definitely some level of like imposter syndrome of like, why am I in this room or why am I in this seat? And then Brandon or my husband will be like, because of X, Y, and Z and because you did A, B, and Z, you know, and just like list off the things that I've done that like, I'm like, yeah, but I just did that because I had to. And it's like, but you didn't, like you didn't have to do that. And even if you did, you still did that well. And they're really good at like kind of centering me to be like, it's okay. So I struggle with that a lot. And that's something I'm like actively working on as I transition my career right now to be like, no, I am capable of and deserve and valued for these things. And then these are the things I value and I can still be humble about that and willing to learn and grow but I definitely don't have to feel undeserving. And that's, I think for women, especially in this industry, that's so hard because it is such a male centered space. It is. And I honestly, when I started traveling, uh, I wasn't really a thousand percent sure what to do. I was like, I'm the only female and we're mm-hmm. all going to a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wasn't really sure, like, uh, you know, yeah, what is okay and what's not okay. Um, Cause if you move up fast, obviously mm-hmm. you didn't earn it. You did something for you it. You did something, right. And yeah. if you don't move up fast, well, it's because you're not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, how do you, I, you know, I just, I want to just keep my head down and just keep mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing. All I know how to do is what I've done mm-hmm. and that's put me where I am. So when I have other people that want to tell me you should change now, 
I'm just not, I'm just not ready for that. I'm not mm -hmm. ready, not comfortable with that. Yeah. So that's exactly where I was going with my question as to how long you've been doing this. Because I think a lot of people, there's, there's some prerequisite answer to that. Like I've been doing this in Nashville for 29 years. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I have. Like there's something that comes with that. Like there's, there's not, that's just a longevity in one industry. But for you, you haven't been doing it that long. At the beginning, let's say January 1st, 2020, right? We're three months away from like really the pan pandemic starting. What were you doing? Uh, I was at a country club. I was actually switching over. I was working for Opryland Hotel. Um, I was working there. I was working. What were um, you doing at the hotel? I was at Soundwaves. I was, I was just a line cook. Okay. Um, the hope and the thought when I got there was that I would help to work with the food trucks uh, that they were going to have for Soundwaves. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it was pandemic. I don't know if it was just they weren't ready or they – I didn't know what the situation was. But we had a pretty dead, you know, kitchen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me me being there, that's not a scratch kitchen. Um, and I just – I couldn't – I couldn't continue to work – without feeling that I was learning something or doing something. Mm -hmm. You can only clean a kitchen so many times if you're not cooking to make it dirty again. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to make sure that the kitchen was clean so that, you know, I literally could say I, I did that. You know, I'm not sure where else to go from here. Um, but I was working that. I was working uh, B1281, which was Hawaiian cuisine uh, food truck that they had outside of um, – it's bar 12 something and I can't yeah, think of what the hotel name is now. Um, I'm assuming they finished building. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed pretty extravagant. And then I was also working at the country club, uh, Tennessee grasslands, um, and Gallatin. So I was working those, those three together. And then that was when I kind of phased out of Opryland hotel. Um, that's one of those things where I worked there a few times. Um, I started there. There are a, a few people there that uh, I absolutely still respect so, so much. Um, and there's so much about the hotel that I still really love and care about. But um, that was definitely one of those things where wherever I was in life, I left that in a, in a situation that I could have left that in a much better way. Really? Um, but I didn't. I was, I was exhausted. I was spread thin and... Obviously, I had two other jobs, and it just was a situation where I just I couldn't take anymore, mm -hmm. you know. And you kind of have a breaking point. I think everybody kind of you just you can have one moment. I think in your career, your professional career, where you just kind of lose your shit. And I think you can have one. After that, it'll a become pattern. a habit. Yeah, yeah. But I think one moment suggests that you probably had something going on in your personal life or professional life. That just is outside of your character to behave that way. Sure. Did um, you have something like that going on? Yeah, it that was actually because um, my divorce was pretty long and it was pretty ugly. It wasn't a clean cut. You know, mm -hmm. we first sat down to talk about it. You know, we pretty much had agreed on everything um, except the kids. That was a, a fight that was um, that went on for quite some time. Um, but I had that going on and you know, you can't, you can't sit down in a, an attorney's office and talk about everything and then go back to work and be a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. There's no way you can hide it and you can not talk about it and you can, you can try to, you know, separate and categorize, but 
you know, that was hard. And so that was just, you know, something had been mentioned to me from someone that was in upper management about it. And it hit me the wrong way. And I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And it and the way that it ended was me walking out. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't professional. It wasn't, um, I have since tried to apologize just to apologize. But you, you seem like somebody who reflects upon things and you go back and you probably learned yourself, like, learned a lesson from that like the way that you felt like I don't want to feel that way again the way I felt after I walked out like I'm gonna do things differently yeah that's that's a lot of the reason why I I reached out to that particular chef twice is because I do respect him a lot now that I have uh more experiences and more time under my belt now I can understand where he was coming from with um, the kitchen, but as far as personal life, I still felt it was unnecessary for him to make the comment that he did. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, it's a toss up. It's like, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. It's it. I, I, I would help them if they called and they asked for help with anything. I, I'd still go help. Cause That's we're all nice of you. It is. <laughs> what, really it nice is what it is. It is what it is. You, you know, I've seen so many chefs do complete turnovers and mm-hmm. the staff completely turn over in all these restaurants. And that was my biggest issue was I, I've got two little kids and I have to somehow balance life and work, mm-hmm. but I have to make enough money that I can provide for them. Yeah. But you know, your schedule typically are nights. No, it feels so impossible. It feels so impossible. We, I mean, I'm dealing, my husband and I are still together, but he, we own a restaurant. So he's, home on like Sunday nights and then like before they go to bed sometimes anyway get that Monday off yeah like the (laughs) schedule's wild so it's and my mom is here to help but she's going back home soon so it's like god we were looking over the calendar for this and I'm like I also serve at night and I just let go of a full-time job and so I'm like how have I done this for a year and how am I gonna do it going forward it's like the time just passes and and while you're still wondering how you're gonna do it you're still doing it because there's no choice there's no choice yeah well that's one of the things that we were kind of talking about beforehand I said what do you kind of think for this interview and I said I want to know how she does it because she seems like such an engaged mother right Mm -hmm. so I have two children that are six and eight and my wife is for all intents purposes a full-time mom Mm -hmm. and it's hard like it's hard when her only job is that like if she had to go work full-time and it wasn't me like just how engaged you are taking them to ball practice and planning through all of that yet not only doing all of that but working in a restaurant, but not working in a restaurant, flourishing in a restaurant and continually moving up at the same time. That's what drew me. That's the thing that I was like, damn, like this person has drive. Like this person does not give a shit and is going to go out there and take it. And I, I think that's that passion was awesome. And I heard that and I was like, I want to know more about this person's story. It's, it's, it's back and forth, obviously. So my mom and dad, they live here. My brother, his wife and two kids, they live here. Um, but that's it for our family here. Everybody else, uh, they live in Michigan. Um, some of them have moved to Florida. So we don't have, we don't really have any family here. Um, and my brother, he's a Metro cop. He has a million different things going on with his schedule. Um, and so them and the boys, they live in Jolton. Um, I'm in Pleasant View. It's not that far, but when your schedules are just nonstop with kids, mm-hmm. Even that distance, it makes you feel worse than if they were eight hours away. Because then you're like, you're down the road and I still, I never see you. Right. You know? Um, So my parents, you know, if it wasn't for them 
you know, there's times where maybe I can't get them from school at three o'clock, but I can get them at five o'clock from my parents' house. But then it's the extra that my parents do. My parents don't have to make dinner for them. You know, in fact, I kind of got into it with my mom a little bit the other day because I said, stop feeding them so much. I want them to remember that mom cooked for them in their own home. And I was like, because every time you cook, we eat here and we go home and, and that's it. And I said, and I, I want that, you know, through through a divorce and separation and all these other things. I think the, the thing you want the most is uh, for them to have the, the childhood and the, the safety and the reliability from you. So. I grew up with, uh, my dad was home first, then followed by my mom. We had dinner, sit at the table, all of us, every single night. They never took us out. They said, we got food at home, you know, <laughs> and and we did homework at the table. And, you know, I and my dad, he, he always cooked dinner. He was the one that was always cooking. Um, and and now I don't understand it. We've, we had Thanksgiving. He had to tell me all about how he made his turkey and his stuffing, I was like, Dad, I don't care. <laughs> I said, I've been eating this shit for my entire life. I was like, it, it tastes delicious. It tastes the same as it always has. I was like, it's free food. <laughs> I didn't have to cook. Yeah. I was like, the fact that you guys don't twist my arm to bring food. But they, they do so much that they don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I get up and it's like, get them to school, get to work. And if I lose 25 minutes, I get frustrated because I'm like, that's 25 minutes that – I, I worked so hard at home getting these two little humans to school so that I could have that 25 minutes. Now I don't have it. So I get upset about small things that I probably shouldn't, that I'm still learning how to let like little things go like that. But it's like drop them off, work, get back, pick them up. Because everything, even if my parents have them, it's like I should have them. Yeah. I don't need my parents raising my children. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like a guilt about that? Uh, yes and no. When, when I was working three kitchens, um, then it was hard because it was like, you can only work so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. So the days I had them, uh, I wanted to make sure those were shorter days. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I get to them. Uh, and if that means the days I don't have them are much longer, right. that's Okay. Because as long as I'm getting the work done and it's not hurting them. Um, and that was a, there was a, a really rough patch in that first separation where uh, I don't think their, their dad um, fully, fully was aware of watching and thinking ahead to prevent things from happening and accidents and things like that. And I think that their, their dad just had a little bit of a learning curve. Sure. And during that learning curve, you know, that was really difficult because they ended up staying with us more. And then I really got in a jam Mm -hmm. where I was like, you know, there it's nonstop, nonstop with the kids. And I got to make sure, and someone's suffering no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know, and our pediatrician, she's, she's wonderful. And she talked to us, talked to me one day and she said, you know, you're, you're going to suffer somewhere uh, no matter what you're going to suffer as a parent or you're going to suffer at work. It's never going to be a hundred percent. And if it is, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't cling to that for very long. So now I still do the same thing. I found myself where if it's a day that I have the kids, I need to pick them up from school. I need to give them that dinner on the table, playground. We're going to softball, baseball. We're running. We're doing all the things. I I know now, like, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad about that shorter day. 
Because the next day, when I don't have them, I know I'm going to work all day, all night. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I hope at the end, I hope when when everybody's grown up and we're all sitting around talking about it, I hope <laughs> I hope that they see that, like, you didn't deviate. Like, you left because you wanted, uh, you didn't want to live in a shadow. You wanted to know what talents God has given you and how you can use those. And you figured it out and you ran with it. And that was it. That was the goal. The goal was to find your talent and to take care of your kids. And I hope they see that, you know? I guarantee you they will. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. No, I think pretty you powerful what you're saying. And just to make you feel a little better, I did hear on a different podcast that like the average working mother now spends like 80% more effort and energy into being with her kids than they did back in like, I don't know, I guess when we were growing up and definitely when you were growing up. <laughs> I was a stay-at-home mom until I started working. I mean, if you do the timeline, you can figure out when I started cooking. So it wasn't long before <laughs> the pandemic. And then that's what I'm saying. So you, when do you, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. My question is, when do you take time for yourself? Do you have like an hour or two that you're able to like meditate or just like go for a walk or go to the gym? Like, what do you do? What do you do for you? Clearly it's been a minute since I've gone to the gym. <laughs> It's, uh, I still pay that membership. (laughs) Orange Theory is still texting me going, thank you so much. We have your receipt. And I'm like, (laughs) wonderful. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't have time or I don't know how to have time. I don't know what the answer to that is. I feel like I don't have time because I don't go to the gym anymore. Gym was something really important to me. Um, during the off season, usually I go to the gym so that I'm ready for, the season because it's there's a lot of labor intensive stuff you know but I don't even do that anymore so I don't know it's so hard it's so hard to I mean I my, my mom being here right now she's like why don't you go and like see your friends and I'm like I have friends right like I, outside of Brandon I have friends <laughs> Stop it. but I don't see any of them they all have kids too or they all have jobs or they're all in restaurants the hours are all different and so I'm like Mm, I can go sit by myself at a bar. I'm definitely not afraid to like eat by myself or drink by myself or whatever. Like I can do that and feel comfortable, but I don't want to either. Cause I definitely always have that mom guilt of like, okay, but I could be making the Valentine for you and for daddy or I, you know what I mean? Like there's always something else I could be doing. And so I have to, so what I've found for myself is like, I, my kids are only now a year. Right. And my body feels like my own again. That took for so long. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did not know how long that was going to take. And I'm like, now it's closed for me. And I'm like, oh, I can get dressed and kind of like feel like myself again. Or if I'm on like TikTok for too long at night, I'll like set a timer so that I'm like, okay, five more minutes and then I'll turn it off. And Well, I turn, I turn so work into that time. You know, yeah. like I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me that... <laughs> when I, I enjoy spending time with the kids and family and I love doing all that stuff, but it, it, there's a level of work that it takes. It's hard work to do that. And I love doing it. Like there's so much fun playing baseball and, but there's this, there's a hectic level of anxiety of everybody being okay. And then one kid's yeah. angry because you won't let them play this. And you're like, just, I just please stop. But when I go to work, like when I get to work, that's kind of my place. I can go there and I, it is my my time when I'm there because I enjoy what I do. Like I was providing say, service, you for really like your job. I, I love you to like your job. <laughs> She's like, um, that's another conversation for after this. Well, no, I mean, I mean she likes doing this too. But I like this. I yeah. <laughs> but like, there's a, there's a whole side of um, 
going to work and loving what you do, mm-hmm. when, especially when you're constantly moving up and you're constantly learning things and you're developing new things, like that can be an escape from your everyday, from the normal stress of your normal life. People turn to that, like jump into that. And I almost feel like, is that something that you do? You're like, yeah. I'm just going to put it all into work. Because when I'm here, I get to be somebody completely different and it fills my cup. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely, you know, mom and then there's chef. There's definitely a, a, a difference there. Um, I think when I was, I think that's one of the struggle I'm having right now is that most of my work right now is just paperwork. Mm-hmm. It's just getting all of the organization done a thousand percent the way it needs to be. Um, and those projects aren't as fast as slinging a sandwich. You don't, you don't have that immediate satisfaction of, look at that guys, <laughs> look right. what I made, you know, you don't have that. And, and I, I'm more hands-on. So it's definitely, um, I, I, I like to have that immediate reward, um, and satisfaction from it. Uh, that's why I wash my car three times a week, by the way. Yeah, he does. He feels like that instant gratification. Don't ever let him in your car. Like I'm telling, he says he's not judging it. I do. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Hence the question, what are you driving? <laughs> Where are you? Never exactly. answer it. Yeah. <laughs> the Nashville local gets lost finding the local radio station. We're kind of in a little hobbit hole down here. We're hiding. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that, yes, I do have the, my time, but there's always, what about this? What about this? What about yeah. that? You know, you have your slight interruptions, but it's like, um, you know, I do, I, I, I love my job so much. I think my, my family has a little bit of struggle still in understanding, like, you know, you work so many hours, you work every day, you just, I'm like, well, one, it kind of takes that if you want to keep growing and keep moving. But if you love it and it's your hobby, as much as it's work, you care about something that much, then, you know, it's not that bad. No, it's, what do they say? Find something you love doing and never work a day in your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite end of that <laughs> right now. I feel like I'm like trying and mentally to, to not be in like hustle culture right now because I feel like I was so much in the last year. Like I oh, was yeah. working an insane amount too and my kids were born essentially last year. They were born in December, 2020. Um, And so it was just, and my, it was just a lot last year. And so this year, like I said, I just left a job and then I got offered another one and I didn't take it because I just, I was like, no, I just feel like it's going to take time away from the kids in a way that doesn't feel valuable to me. And so what I'm going to do, I want to feel has that value for it. So I'm like, I mean, like, no, bitch, let's be picky. Like, I'm going to be picky about who gets my time, who earns it, who I give it to. Like, I just want to be really intentional with that because I wasn't. And and that burned me out. Like, <laughs> it burned me out for sure. I, I think that's kind of, um, I'm kind of in that place. I'm kind of in a weird place right now. But but part of that is not wanting to, I'm kind of kind of going in the opposite direction. I think mm-hmm. I'm supposed to. Instead of just kind of backing up and saying, you know, I need space. Mm-hmm. Now I find myself almost pushing away. Sure. Um, which is weird because it's, we're going back to Kanye and how well he <laughs> hides things. Uh, I knew we were going to get back. Yeah. <laughs> All roads lead to We got to just throw his name out from time to time to keep people interested. There you go. Um, 
you know, it, it depends on how well you can hide things. I think at times I hide it better that uh, I'm not completely satisfied. And then other times uh, I honestly am. It's a weird thing. It's, you know, I think it was the second or third to last concert last season mm-hmm. where I picked my head up and I stopped just jogging from place to place and trying you're a restaurant chef and all of a sudden they give you 150 acres and they say you can't touch anything <laughs> it's all got to be there you got to make sure it all looks right and you gotta make sure it tastes right but you can't touch it you can't be at the pass getting ready to send that out every single plate and that is the stuff for someone that's a control freak that is the worst you, yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, what do you mean? You have so, acres, you can't touch it. Like, what are you referencing? No, no, no. Like, so if I, you know, I can't, I can't go to every concession stand. Yeah, she can't touch every product. She say, can't QA okay, it. Okay. Garnish it, garnish it, and say, it. that'll yeah. do. Yeah. Or, you know, I want to refire. That one's not pretty. Yeah. You know, you just have to train and trust. And trust. And, you know, for me, anybody that's in my kitchen. Train and trust. I like that. <laughs> two T's to success. <laughs> train them and trust them. Train them and trust them. So many people they train that don't trust. So, I mean, <laughs> or they don't train and they blindly trust. <laughs> that too. Anyway, <laughs> so you're training and trust people to, to you're prepping this food. You're creating it. You're sending it out to different concession stands, and then they're selling it. Yeah. And you're just hoping that they see your vision and that they execute at a high level. Yeah, and and it's you know I want them to care enough about me and know I care enough about them that they would look at whatever they're passing through that window and say, like, I feel kind of bad. I don't think Chef would really like that. Let me, you know, not everybody's going to be like that. But, you know, I've I've had a a lot of, like, not nice things happen to me in kitchens. And Mm -hmm. I I want my cooks and my staff to be able to, like, come to me and I have the answer and I'm not going to make a scene I'm not going to embarrass anybody. If you don't know, you don't know. You can't know. Mm-hmm. You know, let me teach you. Then you know for the future. And, you know, I want to work with them, and I want to give them the best life I can. If I can pay my cooks a little extra per hour, maybe I make a little bit less. But if I can make, if I can give them a little bit extra, and they can work one job and see their families, mm-hmm. where I couldn't in some of the other situations I was in, mm-hmm. I want to take care of those people so that, it comes full circle and they can take care of me too. And it's, you know, there could be a critic out there that says, oh, so you're just in it for what's in it for you. No, I know that I've been through some shit. Mm-hmm. I know that I've been shit on a lot. And I'm going to give out the goodness of my heart and want to take care of people. Now, if you want to call that gaslighting, if you want to say that's me being untruthful or I'm just trying to get what I want, no. I genuinely, I want you to have a good life. You'd have a better life than me. Mm-hmm. I want to promote you. Um, I lost a job because of one of the chefs that works with me. She, she came in as a cook. I wanted to help her. She was another female. She wants to be a chef. She's struggling. She needs more work, more income, and I tried to help her. And that other restaurant let me go and said that I was, you know, interfering and I was taking her hours away. But I built her schedule around their schedule. And I said, you can say whatever you want, but this person needed a car and I wanted to give her hours so she could earn that car. Sure. You know, she's a sous chef now. So I look at that like, you know, I would do it again. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. But that's, re- but that's real leadership. I mean, yeah. that's real leadership. Caring about the people that depend on you, 
you know, leading people to make them better. I always want to find my replacement. I always want to hire really, really talented people because gosh, I want, I want, I want to help people do better in life, like all the way around. And if I'm in it because you're here to serve me, that's, that's, that's not the right attitude. It's also bad karma. Like, I, you know, as yeah. far as all that goes, like you're like, some people may say, I hope nobody's saying that they sound like assholes. Like, that sounds, yeah, you know, like the karma of like, yeah, you treated those people well. And it obviously did work for you because you did get to keep your five lines. Like that's incredible. That's great. Especially in the economy we're in where like jobs are everywhere. People are not. Yeah. So. And I think it's sad that if I try to do something nice, the initial reaction is, is this a joke? Like, are, are, is yeah. this like it's disappointing? Yeah. yeah, like like we need to get back to where we're just taking care of each other and and trying kind, to kindness help. is a like you just need to be kind to people. I mean, I yeah, maybe. Cytex um. is celebrating sixty years of service. Check out their video on their YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and click Cytex and don't forget to subscribe. But you can watch videos there. They have a brand new virtual tour of their entire facility. It is so cool. If you've ever wondered what the inside of a linen facility looked like, and I am the kind of guy that likes to see that, it is available for you right now. It is a full-on immersive experience. You can also find out what their company is about, and it is Everything that we stand for here. They are a family-owned and operated company. They care about partnering with you. They're not just some company that's renting you linens. They care about your business, which is why I use them in both of the restaurants. They are absolutely amazing. They have this brand new mesh back oil-resistant chef shirt that is anti-sweat and works really well for everybody behind the kitchen. Call Ross Chandler. His number is 270-823-2468 and get him to, to come talk to you about this shirt. Go to YouTube and watch some of their videos. You will see why they're the number one linen company in Nashville. I also want to tell you guys about Sharpier's Bakery. So Erin Moso has been, she's been the owner at Sharpier's Bakery since her father passed away. And we had the best conversation just the other day talking about fresh baked bread. How good is fresh baked bread? Uh, I just went on vacation with my wife for her birthday, and we were in St. Martin. We stayed on the French side of the island, and every morning they brought in fresh baked pastries every morning, French bread and chocolate croissants and this like sticky bun. It was amazing. But I was just telling like fresh baked bread is so good. And she goes, that's why we deliver every single day so that your guests can have fresh baked bread. And then, you know, French bread needs to be fresh baked bread. And they have an amazing French bread, or the one third, as they call it, which is a long French bread broken into thirds, commonly known as a bon mi bread. But Charbier's Bakery is there for you, and she would love to bring you fresh baked bread every day. She said, give them my cell phone number. Her cell phone number is 615-319-6453. Uh, just give her a call. She'd love to help consult with you. What are you doing with your bread program? How can she help? That's what they're there to do. They are locally owned and operated for 36 years. They've been delivering fresh bread to you. Visit them at sharpies.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com or follow them at Sharpies Bakery on Instagram. Maybe I've been walked over a couple times, 
But overall, I think you know the difference. I think you know when someone's using you and taking advantage and when someone appreciates it and is grateful for that, you know? And well, and I'd rather be wrong about that than the other way. Like I'd rather be like, oh damn, I I I was kind and I, you know, and you took advantage of that. And like that says more about you than me. And so I'm okay with that, you know? And I'd rather be wrong that way than like be an asshole all the time. And that person really was just trying to be nice. You know? It's it's a weird yeah. thing. It's just like this generational gap. We're somewhere between like I know I looked at you, Brandon. I did too, your friend. It's not that you're old. I have a full gray beard. I call I'm, him old. I called him old a lot. And yesterday he called me old, so he's fine. I, I embrace my age. I, I I lied about my age until I turned 30. I told people I was 30 when I was like 25 because mm-hmm. I'm a giant. And everywhere I was, I always had friends who were older. I always, I've been a manager. I've had a manager in my title since I was 22. And so people are like, you're just a young book. I'm like, I'm 27. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I was like. I get I would, that. And yeah. when, when I finally turned 30, I was like, holy shit, I can actually tell people I'm 30. And they're like, oh, okay. It's yeah. like Got if it. you're 40, you must know what you're doing. But I'm like, uh, excuse me, you know, 35, my knees hurt, my back hurts. I, <laughs> I, I, I know as much as you do in your, your extra five years. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're going to die first. Why, why are you like meanwhile, throwing this at me? Now you're just throwing <laughs> stones. I mean, meanwhile, I, made, I make like a teen mom joke all the time. I'm like, certainly not a teen mom. I'm definitely 31, but I definitely <laughs> not I, a teen mom. I dropped my kids off the other day and I was like, sitting here. Come on. <laughs> Like you're definitely not a teen mom. I literally make the joke. I'm like, I'm Just, basically a teen mom. It's fine. Yeah, I was sitting in my car and I saw this this girl walk by and like, I'm typically not very judgy. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, I wonder what you're getting ready to do or wonder what you're thinking. You know, sure. she went by in like sweatpants and Nikes and I, and I don't know, for some reason I looked up and I thought like, like, girl, you're not 30. And then I looked down and I'm like, uh, girl, you're wearing Nikes and sweatpants, dropping the kids off. <laughs> like, like, hey, you're not 30 either. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't even know where we were going with this. Back to Kanye. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting because you learned some lessons. You learned some lessons throughout kitchens that were not good. And I think that one of the things that we want to dispel is we want, I want to help people. Right, so I want to I want chefs to hear. I think some people don't know they're doing the wrong thing. Okay, genuinely, I'm not saying that, this, and I'm not excusing anybody's behavior or gaslighting. I'm just saying, I think sometimes people are assholes like that, and it's part of their culture. I think sometimes people are assholes oh, like that, yeah. and they don't know, they don't recognize what they're doing. Right, so when you come on and you say, "I've been through some shit, I've seen some shit, this has happened in the kitchen." I think it's important to talk about those things because you saying it right now with chefs listening going, oh, shit, I do that. You mean people take that that way? That's not good? Like, yeah, it's not good. Don't do that shit. So I think so. I think a couple of things at one time. (laughs) So let us have it. You have this like um, really dry not Southern hospitality type character that comes from Northern chefs. <laughs> I'm gonna, not going to say Yankees, but... Well, they're in California, too. There is, there's this, like, the sort of... It's different. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, and it's, and you have to be mature enough and understanding enough to, to say, like, it's a different culture. You're not being a jerk. You're just cut and dry. You're not extra friendly. 
you know, you're not, you're not like, you know, being super sweet about it and like shooting the breeze. You just very direct, cut and dry, direct. Let's get to the chase. And then I've had chefs that have thrown saute pans at me and punched walls next to me and kicked chairs and literally been even like I was on saute one day. Chef gets mad at my grill guy, throws something at the grill guy, and it ricochets and hits me. And I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, I'm just, I'm out of my own business. I'm over here on saute, <laughs> you know? So I, I now that, that is inexcusable, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that you have this bulk, <clears throat> this core group of chefs that are, uh, sadly, seems like the ones that have the most talent the the most creativity that are the true romantics are toxic as fuck (laughs) and they have this creative genius but it comes with this temper and this look at me and i need the drama and i need to make a scene and i need to be heard and i need this loud explosive moment and then 20 minutes later they're sitting in their office kicked back and they're enjoying it and they're just like oh yeah Things got wild, huh? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, about the time you fucking threw something at me. Yeah. You know, and how do we how do we train a new culture to say, rein that in? You know, you don't have to be so abusive, whether that's verbally, physically, uh, you know, whatever. You don't have to be that way to still be successful. Mm-hmm. Do you think glorifying people like Gordon Ramsay on a show where he's, are you absolutely stupid? Like where he's yelling at people on TV in Hell's Kitchen, just berating people, and we're making that an interesting show and people laugh at it. Do you think that that is? That's an interesting question, but it's tough for me because I love him. Um, but I also think that that is his, I really believe that's his TV persona. Like after having some, I know. I've enough, heard it is. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not talking no, about No, no, I, I hear you, but like that, that idea. Chef, I think that's okay. I don't know. I, I I mean, yeah, I can see where you're coming from and I can see that. I, I'm just going to ask, none of the chefs you're talking about that you've worked in that have those environments and none of the chefs I've worked in that have those type of environments, they're all men, right? Mm. So I think They are. I, I was... <laughs> So I think, uh, but I definitely not. Thing. I'm not, but I'm not pushing that direction. No, no, I hear you. I, I will. I think so much of it is. I, I think men. And listen, I'm like kind of on an anti-man train right now. I literally, like I said, that's my husband. I said it to him. Like, I'm not. I love men. They're great. But I think men have a hard time being questioned in a way that women are always questioned. Like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> there you go. I I disagree only because uh, I can use myself as an example. I um, I know I have a temper. Sure, I know that I can um, I can go zero to a hundred really quickly depending on which trigger you pull. Uh-huh. You know, Easy. yeah. <laughs> there's only there's only a couple things. If you talk about my work ethic, or uh, you know, my honesty and and it, my character. If you talk about that in a negative way, mm-hmm. um, or you. You talk about me as a mother. Sure. So work ethic and mom, it's pretty much all I have. There's some non-negotiables you have. Yeah. yeah so if you, if, you, if you poke at either one of those, then I'm fairly unhappy. Sure. Um, but I have had my own moments where I just have been so spread thin and so exhausted. And and you do something. And, it, and 
for me, when I've had I've had these explosive moments a couple times, have I ever thrown something at anybody? No, never. Right. Have I ever um, gotten anyone's face and cussed them out and told them that they were an idiot sandwich or whatever? You know, Gordon mm-hmm. Ramsay says, no, I've never done those things. Uh, have I lost my shit? Have I, uh, I mean... I think that's different though. I think losing your cool and as a, as a person in charge, you are just emotionally abusive or physically or whatever is a different thing. Like I think everyone's, everyone's human. Everyone's allowed to mess up and lose their cool. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. But I think the, like the, I worked for a chef once that he collected any glassware that somebody broke over the course of like a week or two. And then he laid it all on the floor and called lineup and we had to walk around broken shards of glass and he said all of this is what you guys have cost me and it was a whole thing right and then the next day he yelled at all of us like during service on the line so much so that the owner stepped in and like fired him that day and that guy that was just who he was like, that wasn't him like losing his cool that's just who he was and he came from like a really really big name restaurant in Chicago probably the biggest named restaurant in Chicago and he just felt like that's what I'm allowed to do this and I'm like who feels they're allowed to do that? They're like, that to me is a personality disorder versus like, I lost my shit. You, was he you, older? No. Middle, well, middle, older than me, obviously, but like. Is he old like me? Yeah, he's old I like th- Brandon. <laughs> I think that, I think that comes back from that. Generation. Generation. I think some that. of it is generational. I do think some of it is also just not learning. And I think that happens from a young age and we're parented differently now and all that. And we parent differently. But I do think some of it is just like, I mean, men, I, I just think men deal with things differently than women. I also don't think women are perfect, most though. Um, but I I just think everyone would also benefit from therapy. I'm like a, I'm like the biggest <laughs> proponent of like, understand yourself, learn yourself better so you can do better. That is, the, now I support that a thousand percent. <laughs> Learning yourself and like, I know now, I, I, I know myself. I know when I'm mm-hmm. like, you need to just. You need to put the phone down and yeah. cut the shit. Well, all of that comes from experience. Yeah. It comes from touching a hot stove and it burning you and you saying, holy shit, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was in the restaurant one day and I'm the boss, right? I'm in the restaurant and I was eating dinner with my family mm-hmm. and I was at a table in the restaurant that I like to sit at that I can't see the restaurant because I can't do that. I can't eat in a restaurant that I also yeah. work in and not get up and like just to go do stuff. So I was in a seat where I couldn't see. And I got up and I, I, I turned around and I noticed there was nine dirty tables. That's my big thing. Like, dude, we've, you cannot. And I look over at the service station. I see two servers talking and they're both on their phone. And I look up, I see nine dirty tables. And I went, oh, hell no. And I got up and I walked in the kitchen and I went, what in the fuck is, and I just started <laughs> screaming, right? Because. There's people, everybody's standing around, congregating around service stations. The manager is sitting in the office. There's nine dirty tables. And this is not the type of restaurant I want to run. And I started screaming and I lost my, I wanted every person in that building to stop what they were doing and get their ass in gear. Mm-hmm. And the next day, like four people quit. Next day, like four people were like, I'm not working in that environment. I had a bartender quit. I walked up to the bar. There was like just crap all over the bar. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And I I had to go back the next day and have a bunch of one-on-one conversations where I said, I am sorry about me losing my cool. That was not ever okay. But let me also tell you that nine dirty tables in the restaurant is unacceptable. Yeah. This is not okay what happened. Right. It's, it's 
you gotta you have to find that that really golden place where it's like you know do not forget mm-hmm. that you're here because I asked you to be here I asked you to work with me I want to have a solid relationship but you're also a reflection of the company and the standards and you know when I used I used to say this all the time when I would get new cooks that were working with me and I'd be like you know if I'd see something I'd be like if your grandmother was sitting out there, would you give her that? It's a great way to put like, it. Like, would you yeah. do that? And then, you know, other stuff like, you know, your children. You know, if there's something that, that is lacking in that way, it's like I try to make it more personal to say, like, think about it. You know, that was something that when I worked at uh, Opryland Hotel, I I was a prep cook out there. And that was, I started because of Country Christmas. I thought I got, I was like, man, I nailed that interview. Like, (laughs) I've never been in a kitchen before. And they just hired me. And then I was like, they just needed a warm body. (laughs) It's Country Christmas. And they're about to get their asses handed to them. (laughs) You know, so I was like, you know, it's November 1st. And November 11th was uh, when I actually started. And so uh, a lot of people have this mentality, like, if you're making these huge Lexans, just gallons of this crap, whatever it is, no one's going to notice if you don't do it exactly as the recipe says, or if you don't taste it. And I'm like, but eventually we break that down into a single bite that they look at on their spoon or whatever, and then they're going to try it. And is it as good that bite as the one that's still back in the bucket, like, you know, for lack of better terms, like, sure. you know, yeah. you have to think about the the quality. And that was something yeah. that, but when I took this executive position uh, with First Bank Amphitheater, I just, I said, how, how are we feeding this many people? But we still have quality and integrity and this food is still elevated. This is still, this is not cheese whiz, you yeah. know, how do, how do we maintain that? And, I think that I finally just kind of fell into this this place with this company um, where I had direct support the way that I needed that helped me to to grow and it, it allowed me you know that my my direct chef that I work for he uh, he supported me even in the times when I've I've been at my breaking point I said I don't I don't know how else to keep doing this um, I've thought I have given him my two weeks before and he texts me the next morning hey I'll be over at this time with this and I'm like I thought I quit (laughs) I I thought that's what we talked about last night he's like no 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 you're not quitting we're just no I'll be there at 11 o'clock with brisket (laughs) you know and so it's like you know I'm very fortunate because Mm -hmm. I can I can be told you know sure be humble but you know own what you've earned I can own that, but if I hadn't been put exactly with the correct people, uh, you know, maybe I'm still bouncing around restaurant to restaurant still, you know, but I was beating my head against the wall and never coming out ahead. Mm -hmm. And you got to work three jobs to take care of your kids. I mean, when I started that country club um, in the beginning of a pandemic, I couldn't get the hours. I couldn't get the pay. And then I ended up back in Nashville from Gallatin and I ended up in fine dining restaurants and I'm averaging 18 and a half hours a week. And you just can't take care of two children with that. So it's the pandemic has added this whole new level of weird of, 
you know, some of the stuff that I'm learning, I'm learning pandemic style, you know, mm -hmm. and then some of it I'm learning that I learned just before the pandemic. And so mm -hmm. it's a weird, uh, it's a weird place that everything is at right now. So, wow. We went from November 11th, 2019, I think is the day. Did we figure that out by math? The day you started working at Arplane, your first restaurant job? <laughs> it's, it's possible. November. <laughs> November the 11th. What did you do? Did you get on Facebook? No, you, you just, just follow it. the conversation. He just follows. You, you just he said like, November the 1st, I got hired. November 11th was my first day. And you said you started opera. And I was like, well, that's your first job. So then November 11th, 2019. He's a knack for stuff like that. We get into the pandemic and you just I'm putting a bow on this story right now. Yeah. He's like, I have to put an end <laughs> to this. Well, no, I think, I think we're going to circle back around because... You've, you've hustled. You've went through a really tough divorce. You changed careers. Like, hey, I'm going to be a chef. You started working here, and you learned trial by fire. You didn't go to culinary school, but you knew what you wanted, and you attacked it, and you did it really, really well. You did it with integrity. You did it with, I'm, I'm, I'm a badass, and I'm not going to accept mediocrity, which is something that so many people do. You didn't accept mediocrity. You kept pushing. You kept pushing. And here you are, the executive chef at the First Bank Amphitheater. And you're working with people that you enjoy working with. You're leading a team of people. Now you're two years later, you're leading teams of people. Like, <laughs> do you ever look back on yourself during that time and go, holy shit, like, how did I get here? And where do you want to go now? What's next for you? I mean, did you reach your pinnacle or do you want to, you want to go around I the world? Not. Like where are you, what, what are you doing? Um, I mean, first and foremost is, you know, the chaos that we had from our, our first season at the amphitheater. I want to take all that chaos out. I, I literally, my goal for my cooks was we're going to have one organized day, one event day <laughs> that we don't have just absurd amounts of mm -hmm. chaos and we landed on it second to last concert of the season i i think and that was that was the the one that i think that i finally looked up and and i thought you know this place is amazing when it's up and running like <laughs> you know because it was it's it's weird it's a learning curve our client is uh it's very unique they're they privately own this and you know if you an outsider can look at it and say it's just a, a bougie thing with some picky you know, clients. No, when you look at what they've built together, when you look at their wedding venue, and then you look at the detail of that, you look at the the quality they expect because it goes back to this is a reflection of them. Mm -hmm. And so you look at that, I have nothing but respect for my clients and absolutely want to give everything I can to them. They give to charity, they give back. Um, and they've said their thank yous to me and, you know, they've done nice things to show me that like, they're glad that I'm there, you know, and as long as I have that, you know, maybe, maybe the company gives me another property or they want to do something different, but I'll be damned if they take that amphitheater away from me anytime soon. Do That's, you get to watch the shows? Do you get to, are you in a place where you can, because you're outside, do you get to hear the shows? Do you get to see them at all? So, um, do you get to go backstage and meet all the celebrities? No, I mean, I have an all-access pass, but really, like, I, I just want to do a good job. It really is what it is. I, I, if I don't work every second of every day, 
and then something happens and then they go oh, on May 2nd you didn't work um 18 hours that day that's probably where your hiccup was you know I don't want to go back I don't want to do that so when I have these events I I don't I don't slow down very much because they've hired me to do they haven't hired me to go watch these shows um and I don't want to take advantage of it you know now Damn. You know, I don't know. I I, I hope that I hope my my children will come out this season and watch uh, for King and Country because uh, a lot of their music. It was a couple songs hit really close to home from when I first went through that separation, and now looking back, I'm like, holy hell! Like, music and sports are such a huge part of my upbringing. My parents they played on the Grand Ole Opry. They did these things. Music was a huge thing. So to come full circle into bring my kids to an amphitheater that I'm the executive chef of and, and let them hear a band that helped me kind of cope and survive and do these things. You know, it's really important to me, but at the same time, you know, I don't really want to get too wrapped up in those emotions and, and opening that up. You know, I just, I'd like my kids to be able to come out and see that. And other than that, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's my job to do my job. It's not my job to be another, you know, super fan or something like that. That's a very mature way to look at it. I don't know if I could do I'd want to be like, oh, my God, I want to go see this band play. <laughs> just for five minutes or something. You know? I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm like. I'm a terrible employee. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. That's, that's, why, that's why you have your own little closet now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what has landed job. you. Damn it. No. <laughs> it, I, do. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know how to like, to enjoy things anymore. I don't, I don't know. I really think that I'm in a weird place right now where I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really know how to, to accept kindness and nice gestures and stuff. I don't really know how to, how to do that anymore. And instead of like going to therapy or <laughs> being like Kanye and texting everything and tweeting it all, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, let's just work harder. <laughs> well, you may not, this might get weird, so I apologize, but I, I just want to say, and you don't have to accept it. You don't have to receive it, any of that. I just want to say. I think you are very deserving of all good things. You are clearly you. a good person. And for just having met you as mother to mother and worker bee to worker bee, like I'm fucking proud of you. And I hope you Thank are you. too. And that you take a moment to just sit with that. Not from me, just from yourself. Like I hope you can tell yourself that because you, you are very deserving and that's really clear. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, I guess I just, I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever get too too big for myself. I don't want to ever look back and say that I didn't have a moment that I was an asshole or look back and say, I, you know, I didn't have moments where I, I broke down or, um, you know, mental health. Nobody, nobody talks about it. Everybody talks about it, you know. Mm -hmm. We're trying to talk about it. Yeah. You know, there's a book I'm doing. Not I'm almost, I. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a book I'm almost done with, and I've been talking about it the past few episodes, the Brene Brown Atlas of the Heart. Do you know who Brene Brown is? She's a she's an author and a clinical researcher. She, she's amazing. She wrote a book called Atlas of the Heart, and it's literally like 290 pages of emotions and feelings. Now, as I say emotions and feelings, it is kind of tough to read, but what it does is she said she interviewed like 25,000 people and they said, write down all of the emotions and feelings, you know, like 94% of the people put happy, mad, sad, mm -hmm. but that was the emotions that they understood. So this whole book is a 
places we go when we feel hurt. And then it explains every different emotion that you feel when you're hurt. Places we go when we're happy. What awe and wonder is, what anguish is, what sadness is. And it breaks down all those different things so that when you have that feeling, because me, I was an alcoholic for so many years, I have no idea I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. Yeah. I just fucking, I put my head down. I'm a man. I do it. I put my head down. I didn't do anything. And I would just drink at night and just numb that shit down. So me, I didn't, I'm learning emotions and I'm learning feelings. So this book has been so eye opening for me, but it's really, really, really good. And it came out on audiobook February 14th. Well, yeah. if you work until you're so tired, you don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. Same thing. What's, what's a, I mean, it's there an, is a no, worse evil, but what's the worse evil? It's an addiction, too. I mean, I, I am the opposite of that. I, like, feel everything. Like, I feel every Get single... Yeah, I feel every emotion throughout the day. I feel 40,000 of them. If you ask me how my day is, you're going to get a different answer at 9 a.m. and 11 p.m. <laughs> like, like, truly, my, I, I feel everything to my... And that's... I like to think of it as a superpower now, but it took me a very long time to feel that way because I also have anxiety. So I like make up scenarios before they happen. And my therapist and I work on that a lot. Easy. And, um, but my husband is also an addict and he is also learning how to feel things in a way that he didn't for so long. And so I can't remember what, I think we were talking about my like job transition. And I was like, yeah, I just feel this way about it. And he was like, how do you know you feel that way? And I was like, because I what are you talking about? And he was like, I just don't think I would understand that feeling without taking long. Like it just takes him a different amount of time to get there where like he has to relate it to other things. And it's so, and he struggles with it still. Like it's still something that we, he's newly sober. I it's, think, I think part of, part of being a good, uh, a good leader or um, being responsible with your manager position, mm -hmm. you know, I, we were we were opening a venue it was brand new and it was just organized chaos at its maximum oh, and love that. this guy <laughs> this guy's a pastry chef like you don't fuck up with a pastry chef like that's science you you keep those people <laughs> they they get like edible arrangements like <laughs> like you don't mess with with pastry chefs and that's, this, the, that's the pinnacle right there. If I get an edible arrangement, I did something right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, and so I don't know why it popped in my head. I don't know. Valhaze. Um, but like this guy was on his fourth metal breakdown doing dishes because they didn't have a steward and they pulled him in to help. And he said, yeah, I'll come help. And you're thinking like, I'm a pastry chef. You're not going to make me mad, you know, and this guy's on dishes. And I see this guy having his, like, fourth mental breakdown. And I'm like, I've been there. I've been so stuck in my head just doing the same garbage over and over and over. And no one sees you, hears you. And, and I said, just go get a bottle of water. I can do dishes, too. I have two hands. I can do it. He's like, no, you have a white jacket on. And I said, mm, then with my white jacket, I'm going to tell you to go get me a bottle of water, too. So leave. And if you can recognize when someone is so damn stuck in their head and you can in a healthy way say, I do see you, I do hear you. Um, and you gotta, you can't butt into everybody's personal life, but you have to somehow be genuine and actually care about them. We can't, we can't say, Oh, I care. I hope you're okay. You're having a bad day. No, like some of these people, this is the very last thought process of this is never going to change for me. I never have anywhere to go. 
And when I have dishwashers that come in, I say, if you want to be a dishwasher, rest your life, I'm on board. That's great. If you want to be something more, I'm on board. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. And it was the chances given to me and the support given to me that got me where I was. So it wasn't all me. Mm -hmm. I carried a notebook everywhere, took notes, good, bad, ugly. Um, I took a million pictures of everything that I needed to do and what it should look like and, and studied that at home. And, you know, that's, that's the culinary education I got was in a kitchen. And part of me has even considered like, maybe you need to get, maybe you need to go to culinary school and roll in an off season and just, just to have it. I mean, I don't know how many places that I've gone and the first thing out of their mouth is where'd you get your degree from? I'm like, oh, a university. Hard not. <laughs> no, hard I have knocks. a I have a four year college degree and it doesn't mean anything. In yeah, a I was gonna say nobody ever asks me. I have a four year degree yeah. too, and nobody gives you shit. And nobody cares. <laughs> They're like, well, that's okay, yeah. cool. Where, where have you worked? Right. Yeah, Who but do you know? um, for me, with like with mental health and all these things, it's like you can, you know, you're told when you put that white jacket on, suppress it all. You don't need to be angry. You don't need to cry. You don't need to be sad. You need to be reliable in the way that you behave with staff. And I agree with that. I think your staff needs to be able to come in and their day is not dependent on your mood. I've had places I walk into and you're on eggshells and you're like, oh, what kind of mood are we in today? Oh, fuck, we're in that mood, you know, and that's, I'm not about that. I want my staff to wake up in the morning and not get sick to their stomach because they're going to work where yeah. they need to do, where they have to go. Mm -mm. And, but I think after years of it, you start to run out of endurance to pick yourself up. Because you're a human and it's, well, and the last. And you got to go find, if that's your, if you feel that way, go find, that's not every kitchen. That's not everywhere. Go find another place. Well, in the last the last week that I that we had a uh, last week last concert we had over there um, was actually the day that I truly signed the paperwork for our divorce. Mm. And I I left work. I went. And I sat down. We had conversations that I didn't think we were ever going to have. I thought this was a done deal. I thought this was like literally sign it. And it's, and it's done. And it wasn't that. In fact, it was much worse on my behalf. And so the next day I text one of my, one of my cooks that was, had opened the kitchen and I said, give me just a couple more hours. And she was like, okay, you know? So I took a couple more hours and all I did was drive a little bit more and sit in my car a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And then I went to work and I was like, this is it. Now, I was far more emotional this, this year than I ever intended on being. Um, damn, I don't think I went more than two concerts without either tearing up or finding a place. You know, like, it, and it was because I wanted so badly to do well and to be excellent and to, I pick things up and I, and I go quick. And I wanted that so badly. And this was such a bigger picture. And this was not one person was going to save the day. This was everybody was going to save the day one way or another. And um, as we got towards the end of the season, I thought, you know, I felt the need to, like, tell um, one of the chefs that was a mentor to me that, you know, is a boss at some point, you know, 
this is actually kind of what happened. So I'm usually not this emotional. And I want you to know that and know that like my character is stronger than this. And I, I, I said that. And then I thought about it for like a couple weeks after. And I was like, I fucking went through like some bad stuff that I never really got a chance to heal from. Yeah. I kept trying to like replace it with work, replace it with the kids, replace it with whatever. Um, and so now, you know, we're getting ready to open the season again. And I'm, I'm so excited for those concert sunsets and, you know, and, and everything that it entails. And I'm so excited about this menu and I freaking love food so much. I love taking care of people. And it's the only thing that really was like, I, I, I know I'm a good mom. I know because I care. Um, and I hope that with caring and loving and being there as much as I can, that, that I end up raising, you know, really exceptional humans that mm-hmm. will find something that they really enjoy, that they're good at, whether that includes college or not. And that, um, ultimately they, they take care of other people and those people take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, work right now is the only thing I feel I have going for me. So as we go into this next season, I already feel myself kind of getting pulled back into that circle. So when we talk about like, like feelings and, you know, emotions, I'm like, no, we've got to like lock that up or I'm going to lose it again. (laughs) You know, it's tough. It's tough when you have a white jacket, I guess. I think it's tough to be human. I really do. I think it's just a hard thing. (laughs) I am not good at it. (laughs) To be a human. I think you're great at it. I think this is all stuff that we, that everyone feels. I mean, off camera, I'll tell you about my year and it was painful it was so painful it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through and I didn't expect to go through it and and I can't tell you how many times I so Brandon and I formerly worked together that's how we met and I can't tell you how many times I just went to the office just texted him like hey are you there and showed up no makeup on like fully messy outfit and just sobbed because I was like I just I'm gonna break like I'm at the point I'm gonna break this is my breaking point and he would be like what do you need and my husband what do you need my mother what do you need and just knowing like I hope I want if you don't have those people, if you don't have somebody that says, what do you need? You do now just text. I'll give you my number. Just text me. What do you need? Like I, I recognize that I can't be of service to everybody if I'm of service to everybody, but I, like I said, mother to mother, it is fucking hard out there and it's hard just to be a person and to live through a pandemic that we all went through differently. We were all in the struggle, but all of those struggles look different and a lot of us, you and myself for sure, had things come up that we didn't anticipate coming up in addition to a global pandemic. And we got through it. And maybe not as gracefully as others would have, but we did, right? Well, and, you know, I like right now, the relationship that I have with their dad, he's, like, we get along great. Mm-hmm. We go to sporting events. We communicate, communicate great. You know, everything's fine. He has a girlfriend. They've been together a long time. And, you know she takes care of them. Like you can't ask for anything more than a a genuinely good human to take care of your children. And you're not there like to have someone that is like, Hey, I thought they might like this snack. You don't know how far that really goes. Uh, cause I'm not there. I can't pick out their favorite snack. It's the most important, you know? Yeah. And so I'm told so often, like you're blessed. Like you've got to see where the blessings are, but I'm like, I see them. But for some reason, I want something more for myself or I want something different. And I I think I'm at a crossroads right now where I don't know, like, 
do I, obviously I want to keep pushing forward with my career. Um, I, I want to keep leveling up. I want to continue to do better. Um, and I, I foresee, I hope they do too, <laughs> staying with this company for a long time because um, I'm surrounded by these individuals that for the first time in my culinary career, I feel support each other and actually say, I'm not afraid if you become an executive chef too. Because we're so different, you know, we, we colored the same picture and we stayed in the lines and we did it the way we were supposed to, but it looks totally different, you know, but, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here other than to, I think, I think that what, what's your Instagram handle? What, how do people, if, if people are listening to this and they want to follow you, what's your Instagram at Katie? It's Chef Katie Wainick. Okay, so at K A T I E, right? Yeah. C H E F K A T I E W A Y N I C K. Yes. Chef Katie Wainick. I don't. I think that you underestimate how many people out there are listening to this, who are like, "Holy shit, she's amazing!" That you're inspiring people right now who have life way easier, that are finishing their day going, "Oh, look what I have!" And they're going, "Holy shit." that woman right there has it together and she is fucking killing it. And people are listening to you right now and they're going, damn, I got to step it up. I got to step it up. And I want people to follow you because you post so many great stories and so many things. <laughs> follow Chef Katie Wainick and you'll kind of see, she posts the videos of the flooding and the different things that happen while you're in middle of service. That was wild. <laughs> It's just, it's some fascinating stuff. That's what got you on my radar is because I like interviewing interesting people, but seeing what you accomplished, your first restaurant job, November 11th, 2019 to today. <laughs> I mean, we're not even in February of 2022. You're two years in and you have just slayed it. So anybody who's out there who doesn't think they can do it, you can, you can, if you respect yourself and keep pushing and keep getting after it. Katie, we're, we're at the end of our time here today. I could talk to you for hours. We should probably do this every <laughs> single Tuesday uh, just until we can all I have feel good. plenty of sub-stories. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot we didn't get to cover. At the end of every show, I like to ask our guests to take us out. I was like, you know, Jerry Springer, final thought style. I need to find a different reference for that. Mm -hmm. Something to surmise, something you want to leave our listeners with, some word of wisdom or, or not. You could, you know, I always say, you'd be like, nib high football rules. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, go. Uh, I think ultimately, no matter what, just because you don't fit the timeline or the structure or the parameters that someone else gives you doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you aren't capable of so much more if you just are brave enough to step forward. And a lot of times you have to be brave enough to say yes. And some of the things you just don't want to do, do it before your brain says no. Do it before it talks you out of it. Because uh, I could still be in a hotel making the rounds in all of the restaurants. I could still be in a country club, and I think that's it, and that's the best. Um, but I'm not. And I, I've, I reached and I reached and I searched for these individuals to surround me that – um, that could see my worth and wouldn't let me walk away. And I, I just think that at the end of the day, you know, 
it's not that you have to be aggressive in how you leave. It's not that you have to be so loud and to be heard. You just need to do what feels right for you without hurting anybody. And just don't stop. Don't settle. You know, uh, I come from a really small town and nobody knows where it's at. And I was sheltered my entire life, but I had a great life. I had an awesome childhood. I don't want to give that to my kids, but I also want them to be brave enough to do it alone and to figure themselves out before they start projecting on others. I mean, I, I have the ability to hurt someone else. Emotionally, physically, whatever. I can hurt someone else. It's, it's our responsibility to not do that, but I feel it's also our responsibility to learn the people that are around us enough to learn what does actually hurt them when you don't mean anything at all. And it's just, we, we've, we're in a weird place now. Now we have this generation, generation, generation where some say, I don't have to work my entire life. You know, I can just pick up little jobs here and there and we'll call it good and that's it. And then we have the original ones that say, I'm not going to say like, you know, Brandon and his, his group, but we have those that say like, get a real job. My, my dad up until eight months ago, seven months ago said, get a real job. You're never going to be anything if you keep trying to be a chef. And you know, if you, if you run out of people that are, are for you, you just have to do it for yourself. And I think that's still okay. It's okay to still be by yourself and be your own cheerleader for a minute, you know? Wow. I feel like every time, the last few times, people have kind of <laughs> given their final thought. It's, it's been very poignant and very um, on brand. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for... God, an amazing conversation. Thank you for breaking in the studio. Yeah, because it's awesome. Breaking the studio with some some good deep content. <laughs> uh, I have really enjoyed this. This has been so much fun for me, and we have to do it again. We'll have to come back and, and do this again, and we'll yeah. pick up. And thank I you. Can't I, wait to hear I'm the sorry. Stories. I avoided. I actively avoided you. <laughs> this interview. I, I didn't I've feel been trying for a long time. Yeah. I, I'm gonna be honest, it's it's less rare than you think where people are like, no, 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 we can't, we can't, we can't. And then the, once they once they meet him and get to know him, then they're like, Okay, yes, let's do it. Everybody but, finishes the interview and they go, Oh, that was so fun. Like yeah. I, I thought it was gonna be this. <laughs> I, I just fussed. I just kept fussing and uh, no, it's it's uh no, I love I love that I got to be here finally. Um Yeah. We need to. This is cool and I really love it. Well thank, thank you. you. Well, nice. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>
watching, kind of just seeing her on social media, what she's been doing. I thought it was raw. I thought that she was very vulnerable and I thought she was open and I love that. I love that people are going to listen to this and they're going to go, okay, wow, they're going to see some perspective. And it wasn't just her coming in and telling about how great it is to be a chef and how I worked hard and I got this and I got that. That was her saying, I mean, I've been through a lot and I've been hustling and it ain't easy. Yeah. And it ain't easy. And I, I don't know. I just was, um, it's refreshing and fun and it's nice to meet new people. Mm-hmm. So fun to do an interview live. It's different when you look somebody in the eyes yeah, and you can see emotion. Yeah. You can see that they're telling, they're telling the truth. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I thought it was pretty powerful. Yeah, I think so too. And I hope, I hope that everyone that listens to it just really opens their heart for her and like, I think her experience within the industry has been a little off so far weird and not our experience with the industry. And so I'm excited as she grows in her career and gets to know more people for her to know the people we know and be loved by the people we love and all of that. Yeah. I think you should go follow her on Instagram if you're out there mm-hmm. and let her know, let her know that she's amazing. Cause she really is. I mean, yeah. she was, I mean, I loved her story. I mean, she's been through a lot. I just, that story I think is, I said a long time ago on an episode, I said, we're going into a pandemic mm-hmm. and this is a time you could reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. We're going, everybody's in lockdown, March 17th, 2020. And right. you're, I don't know how long it's going to be for, but if you wanted to learn something, what if you wanted to go to the gym, if you wanted to come back from this pandemic and you want to be a completely different person, you could do that. And then I said, it's like a caterpillar going into a chrysalis. Are you going to come out and be this big, right. you know, swallowtail butterfly, or are you going to be a moth? Like, what are you going to do? And she, I feel like she's one of those people that was a completely different person. If you ask her to go back before the pandemic, before she got that job at Opryland and what was your life? And then today, like she's a, went through a complete metamorphosis mm-hmm. and it's exciting to see what I, I'm, I'm curious to see what she's going to do with it now, like where yeah. she takes it. I feel like if we interview her again in a year, that would be a totally different. Yeah. I'm going to know what her experiences were for yeah. the past year. Like, okay, we were here. What did you do mm-hmm. in the next year? I would love to know that. And yeah. um, I probably will watch. I'll, I'll, I'll see as on the socials because she's pretty right. good at posting. Mm-hmm. So I will um, and I will say thanks again, Katie, if you're listening to, uh, to this episode for coming in. Again, we've got like nine more interviews live. <laughs> I am so excited to do this. I thought that was a completely different show than we've ever done. Yeah, it, it does feel so different to be in the room. And even next to you, like I said, I think we've only done that a handful of times. And so it's, it is totally different to be in the presence of people. <laughs> when you're looking on a screen, and I'm trying to look from cues from you, like when you want to talk. Yeah. When I'm sitting next to you, I know when you want to say <laughs> no. that. I always felt so bad because I'm like, I'm doing all the talking. Like, Jen, jump in, <laughs> jump in, jump in. So much easier live. It is easier. And like just like the parenting aspect of it, like how many times did one of our kids like come in during the podcast, which like they're beautiful and you should all want to look at them. They are gorgeous kids, but it's like, okay, now I'm in mom mode and I can't focus on like the person I'm talking to. So it's nice to just be like, okay, we are here present in the moment. Like that's important. It is. And I thought that the looking live, like when you looked at her and said, I'm here for you. Like you, you kept looking at her like, I see you. I see, mm-hmm. like, I get it. And I, I don't know. It was pretty, it was pretty special. It was great. And so I look forward to lots more of these. Yeah. Lots more of these live interviews in studio. Um, She got to go home with a new shirt and a hat Mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's fun. Yes. 
Uh, she got to take home some goodies from Super Source, mm-hmm. our amazing sponsor, Jason Ellis for Super Source. When you come in, if you're on the show, mm-hmm. you will get to take home free chemicals. There's, their <laughs> setup looks really good. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, fresh baked bread and all kinds of stuff happening mm-hmm. here in the studio. Mm-hmm. You just wait and see. Mm-hmm. And we're putting coffee creamer on the list. Yes. Yeah. We have coffee. We have coffee. No creamer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you all for listening today. Um, I hope that you guys are doing well. Hope you're being safe out there. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.